Welcome to the Collective Minds Talk Show. Uh, we're here with Dissociated Soma and my mind mentor, and here with Mind, Body, Soul. And at the show, we try and communicate uh, with therapists and life coaches and try and bridge the gap of communication and kind of explain and highlight reasons why, as mental health professionals, we need to have more collaboration and communication between professions. Mm-hmm. Um, so if you want to go ahead and introduce yourself and what you do and kind of your mission and, and let us sure. know who you are. Great. Um, so I'm Jenna McKean. I'm from New York. I'm one of the licensed mental health counselors um, in New York. We're about like 30 minutes outside of New York City. Um, I've been practicing for the last like 10 years in private practice. Right now I'm in management at one of the local hospitals um, with, like within the Hudson Valley area. Um, and basically, I see anything from um, PTSD to anxiety to OCD. I'm treating like a variety of ages right now. So we've been kind of there the whole time throughout the pandemic. Um, we stayed on site on campus. Um, and basically, we didn't work remote. And we tried to kind of help everybody throughout this stressor. So it's been um, stressful for the clinicians and for the patients. But we've done our best to manage this. Yeah. So have you seen an influx of, of patients, I'm assuming? Yeah, definitely. Um, influx of healthcare frontline workers. Mm. I think they, they appear to be struggling the most. And um, a lot of physicians overall reaching out to us. Um, a lot of SSRIs are kind of going up right now. But mm-hmm. we're trying to do our best for us to practice like self-care to help them. Because everything changed really, as you guys know, very dramatically in like a short period of time. Yeah. So, so for like the physicians and people that are healthcare frontline workers, have you been trying to teach them, I guess, more self-care? I know that that was something that you wanted to discuss is self-care throughout this pandemic. And how have you yeah. been, I guess, navigating that? So we've been trying to teach physicians like self-care and time management. Mm-hmm. Um, I know a lot of them ended up kind of getting in situations that were difficult, right? Like they ended up being put in... Um, a lot of places that they didn't plan on being put. So we did a lot of um, like mindfulness with them, meditation, uh, talking about like compassion fatigue. They really call it burnout more on the physician side of things Mm -hmm. Um, and like supporting them throughout this time because it's been very hard for them. Mm -hmm. And like I said before, a lot of my close friends are physicians and nurses and PAs. We've seen um, their anxiety spike just tremendously and like nightmares have been impacting them a lot too. So just, you know, a lot of supportive counseling um, and relaxation techniques to kind of help them throughout this. So what, how, how would you define self-help? Or self-care. Or self-care. Okay, sorry, I'm sorry, you cut out again. How would you define self-care? So my own definition of that would be just like taking care of your own needs, right? Overall, I think everybody has a different vision of that. So I think it really is like, specific to the person right like what are your needs versus what am what are my needs um and that's what a lot of times i ask clients like i may enjoy um for self-care getting a massage and then that person may hate being touched um mm-hmm. so basically really preserving oneself is kind of how i look at that like okay let's do whatever we can to try and preserve you and make you healthier and have you connect with yourself um, again, because a lot of people during this time are having trouble, I think, connecting with themselves mm-hmm. and figuring out how to, you know, protect themselves um, overall. So I think it's different for each person. Like my self-care needs are probably different than you guys. Um, or maybe we have some commonalities. But I think that um, 
we have to ask them, like, what makes you feel better? Hmm. So would you say that the first step essentially is understanding, you know, what your kind of hierarchy of values are and what kind of needs you need and what you do and don't like and what makes you feel better or not feel better um, mm-hmm. before, you know, is a way for somebody who isn't going to therapy uh, or isn't seeking out life coaching. I think self-help is just a term that's used quite a lot. We see it all the time. It gets thrown around, but no one really understands, uh, I think, to the fullest degree of what self-help really means uh, or the mm-hmm. steps to take efficient self-help. Yeah, and I think that's a good point because, you know, a lot of people will say, like, and I have history working in addiction, like, mm. oh, my self-care is to have a glass of wine at the end of the night, and we're like, I think our antennas go up. We're like, okay, well, what is that doing for you? You know, like, are you using that, like, in an unhealthy way? What else can you do besides that? So, like, mm-hmm. really asking them, like, you know, what are your values? What do you enjoy doing? What do you find pleasure in that you haven't been able to find pleasure in? And sometimes, like, challenging the clients to try new things, mm-hmm. you know, some things that they never think about. And I feel like for my clients, mindfulness and meditation, they're always like, eek, I can't do this, right? Mm-hmm. Um, because I can't sit still and my mind doesn't go still. And I'm like, well, that's not always the goal of meditation. Thoughts are going to come in and you have to learn to kind of like divert them and punch them out of your brain a little bit. So asking them is, is huge. Yeah. I mean, do you, have you felt kind of compassion fatigue throughout this time? And how have you, have, kind of, have you yeah. felt it? Yeah. So um, it's interesting you say that. The beginning I was, a little bit depleted. I could feel the energy in the world of New York just yeah. kind of like dragging us all down. So I remember saying like, hey, something's not right here because we're working a lot of hours and there's a lot of different needs. And for me, it was more of like changing very quickly. Like let's just change everything that we're doing that we're normally doing as therapists. Mm-hmm. Um, but I had to take like constant breaks at times. Like I just, you know, set some time aside that I wouldn't be on my computer, wouldn't be on my phone. Um, tried my best to like practice some mindfulness, um, stretching and yoga. And I think it's important to have a good team. Like I always say your tribe, if that's like your personal tribe or professional, having those people to talk to because they make a difference for everybody. Yeah, definitely. Yeah, that's that's interesting. And that, that ties into knowing yourself as well and what works for you, um, which I, I, I wanted to get back at because uh, – I think that is one of the most difficult things for people to kind of work through on their own. Um, You know, I I think self-reflection efficiently is not understood. It's kind of like it's a skill that oftentimes we rely on other people to kind of uh, navigate and guide us through because we don't know the right questions to ask ourselves um, in order to start those, you know, those initial steps for uh, figuring out routines or changing your habits or or finding out what works and what doesn't work. Um, and so in your profession, like and, and especially now more than ever, with the, your clientele that's coming to you, do you feel as though a lot of the reason that they are so upset is because they don't know what is good for them and what isn't good for them? And maybe is like, would you say that you would agree with like, that's kind of the first step is you need to figure out who they are as a person, what their values are, and and kind of what works for them and what doesn't work for them, or at least what they think works for them or what doesn't work for them? 
Yeah, I think um, for the clients we're seeing now, that it's just been, first, I think they come in with this, like, stigma. They're worried about, like, what's happening, okay? They're like, oh, should I be telling you all of this? Like, this is what I've been experiencing. So I think that's, like, a first layer mm-hmm. of, like, this is normal. You know, mm-hmm. people are going through a lot right now, and you are strong and stronger by asking for support from us because anybody's going to need support. And then they're saying, you know, I'm working myself to the ground. I'm feeling like I can't, you know, handle this, the stress. And then we start, like, looking at, like, you know, in the past, when was there a time that you felt good about yourself? What did you like to do? And mm-hmm. it's hard, you know, throughout a pandemic, but trying to fill in, like, the blanks for them a little bit to kind of say, oh, you enjoyed cooking? Like, before, why don't you guys take a virtual cooking class? Or try and, you know, go for a swim if you can in one of the lakes or something like that um, and really kind of probe with them to see if they'd be open to that because people are feeling really stuck, I think, is the moral of the story here. Like, they're like, I'm stuck home, I can't do much, but there are a lot of options out there as soon as we can navigate kind of what you have liked or what you'd be curious about. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. I, and I I think, uh, and and again, the, the um, this is where... I think the importance of the conversation of having life coaches and therapists work together comes out uh, and highlights because for what I do, I don't, I'm obviously not a therapist. I don't help people process their issues. However, I am very good at structuring uh, and facilitating self-reflection in a way that presents their, their habits, their goals, their visions, what makes them angry, what makes them sad on paper format via like CBT type uh, questions. Mm-hmm. And, and I kind of create a report that they can physically look at and have all those answers uh, beforehand, which they could then take to a therapist and work through and process. Um, and I feel like, and she, you know, obviously Joelle, uh, Joelle's a therapist as well. So she understands that process of trying to navigate that person in the very beginning stages, especially if they're a new client, is is very difficult. Um, so there are, like you said, different alternative approaches, especially now more than ever, that I think as a collective mental health society, we need to start talking about and really actually trying to implement and, and work together. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I agree. And I think, like, you know, there's always – I think there's always – uh, life coach versus therapist you're always like what do you think I'm like mm-hmm. first off we're, we're both just helping people so that's our goal exactly. like at the end of the day there's going to be skills that I use that are life coach skills and you're going to use that are therapist skills you know um and of course like oh well you're a licensed clinician still we're working on a lot of short-term goals right at times so I'm like what do you want to fix how can we help you get there like what can mm-hmm. we do like you said goals treatment planning um and again we're tailoring our approach based on the patient. I would never use the same approach with every client, right? Because it just wouldn't work out for us. Mm-hmm. Um, but, you know, building these short-term goals and trying to say, like, is this attainable? Can we get to this? How can we help you get to this? Um, is so important. And life coaching, I'm always one to say to everybody, like, you should see a life coach because we sometimes all get lost in the path of life and mm-hmm. we need some guidance and direction. Um, and I think people are less stigmatized about life coaches versus, like, mental health counselor or therapist or social worker I think they feel a bit more open to that is my own thought on that they feel like a life coach okay doesn't sound so stigmatized yeah interesting yeah I don't I don't I never really understood the the term life coach to be honest I don't really consider myself a life coach um because there it's a process of you know healing whatever you want to call it um 
evolving your mind, you know, whatever we want to call it, there's a process that is essentially broken down in a very fundamental, like simplistic way is you are here and you want to get here. Mm -hmm. And there's a process that will take you from here to here, but it's not, it doesn't involve just one component. So to elaborate, you know, that's why I think therapy is a is a component of that process that'll net that'll help somebody get from here to there. Mm-hmm. But, but where does life coaching kind of, it's, I feel like, uh, that's why we have this lo- therapist versus life coach kind of name. Yeah. Cause it's like, it's not supposed to be that it's supposed to be, we're all in the same process. Mm-hmm. Maybe we should be like figuring out where our places are and how we can work together back and forth to help mm-hmm. navigate that person from where they are and where they want to be yeah. as opposed yeah. to somebody only, seeing a therapist or only seeing a life coach. I I personally don't think that uh, is the right way. I think they should be seeing, like you said, a therapist and a life coach. And if a therapist can work with the life coach, with Mm -hmm. the client, that's just the perfect triad. And yeah, yeah, so that's our our goal is really trying to shed light on on, uh, Mm -hmm. taking that type of approach to help the client. Yeah. Yeah, it's like an integrative approach, which I love. Mm-hmm. You have, you know, different people's views, and then I think you have, um, again, the life coach is looking at things from a different perspective, which is nice, too. Like, things that sometimes we may think into a little bit more, and we're mm-hmm. like, hmm, okay, maybe we should step away from that and just look at other goals and the client's motivation. So I think it makes a difference, and, like, I think where life coaching comes in with self-care is you guys can push a little bit in a different way, which is really mm-hmm. awesome, and then we can look at like again their values their passions what works for them um you know what they've been afraid of doing that could be really really helpful for them self-care wise and i think we get into another layer people aren't comfortable being with themselves yeah so they've like avoided that for years just being still and being alone and you know mindful of themselves because they get like really fearful of like what they're gonna you know unravel or release you know so kind of looking at that too where has that stem from is important from the therapy side mm-hmm. definitely and I feel like like you said especially I don't know with with my clients lately especially during COVID because they're kind of stuck right and there's not much to do there's not much distraction um yeah. I've seen just a whole slew of issues coming from not being able to sit with like their discomfort Mm-hmm. And finding self-care practices that don't involve distraction, which has been such a huge problem with me and my um, client list. Um, because I hear all the time, like, well, my coping skill was to, like, go to the mall and shop or go out with my friends or go, like, to the public pool or go wherever. And it's like, now I have to try and find, okay, well... What other self-care are you willing to try to put yourself Mm -hmm. through um, that might assist you? And I find that, like, I'm having trouble with that because, like you said, like, if I bring up mindfulness or meditation or even guided meditations or yoga or exercise, people are very um, unwilling, I guess, Mm -hmm. Um, which has been part of my compassion fatigue, too, because I almost feel like, well... I'm trying here mm-hmm. and, um, but you're not giving me enough. You're like, what else can we do? Yeah. 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 And like, they spend a lot of time scrolling and we know that we're like, okay, mm-hmm. they distract themselves with, with the internet. 
And I always like say, is there anything else? Like, would you want to take up painting? And sometimes when I'm saying these things as a therapist, I think I'm crazy. I'm like, would you want to paint? I'm like, yeah. would you want to, let's go outside and play a game. And I'm thinking to myself, gosh, is this sound like right? Mm-hmm. Um, like somebody was like, oh, I'm going to order a drum set. I'm like, yeah. But I'm thinking, okay, well, there's nothing else to do. So let's yeah. think about, you know, that or crocheting. And normally I think like six months ago, we'd be like, huh? Why don't you go outside for a walk, go to a restaurant, get some dinner? But now we're just trying to put anything we can find into their mm. life because they have become like really complacent, lazy, they're overeating, right? It's really hard. I mean, yeah. They're drinking more and just doing things that they normally weren't doing before. Um, but I ask usually like a bunch of people, I say a bunch of therapists, like, what other activities are you giving to your clients? Like, is there anything else that has worked besides mindfulness and meditation that you feel like they'll do? And they give me a bunch of like virtual like Zumba and mm-hmm. stuff like that that I can share with them. Um, or they'll give me like online free learning series as well. So I just try and put like a little kit together and just say, hey, if you try one of these this week, I'm happy. That's like one self-care yeah. activity that you did for yourself. Mm-hmm. Um, because I can only say journal so much. Exactly. You know, and that's <laughs> me being like real. Like, you know, I know you're not going to journal every night. Like, I know that's hard. So let's think of something else that may work for you. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I feel like, you know, like in Alex's profession, like with life coaching, like I would love for all my clients to like see him or see another like coach or mentor on the side too, because I feel like they have that opportunity to do a little more check-in than like we do, unfortunately, because with boundaries and our ethics codes and whatever like I can't text my clients and be like hey did you like look at the list this week or anything like that where um I feel like a lot of my clients would really benefit from that just because of how complacent they Mm -hmm. are due to their their diagnoses or just COVID in general Mm -hmm. um so yeah I feel like like a coach or a mentor to check in with them would actually be really valuable But unfortunately, with insurances and things like that, it's just not obtainable. Um, Yeah, yeah, I agree with that. It can be difficult. And sometimes, like, building a self-care plan for them. Like, it's hard for us to do one session of that, like, you know, and and document that appropriately. Mm -hmm. However, like, how important for the life coach to take care. Here's your mini self-care plan. Like, you know, you think you're going to do these. I'll check in with you on a Wednesday. Let's Mm -hmm. see how it went. Did you hate them? Did you love them? How'd it go? And then if not we regroup and then you let the therapist know, hey, this is what we're working on. Like see how they're feeling and, and how they're processing that. Yeah, exactly. Um, because yeah, that yeah. third party that's gonna be like that motivating force like you are is awesome because yeah. you're giving like that extra push that sometimes, you know, we're a little bit like scared to give or just like mm. waiting to see how their own intrinsic motivation kinda turns out. Exactly. Yeah, and yeah. it like you like you mentioned before, it's essentially just establishing a support team. Yeah, that integrated approach. Yeah. Yeah. And we all go through it. And I always say, like, I know we're not allowed to disclose much, right? But I always say self-care is hard. It's even hard for me. I tell clients all the time, like, you know, it's hard to go from being up here and then going here and reflecting when we're always running, we're always stimulated. There's a lot going through our brains all day, plus emails, text messages, Instagram, um, our own personal life, plus work, right? So I always say, like, this is, we have to really practice this. We have to have a routine down of what you can enjoy, you know, and what you can do. And this morning, for example, like, I try to enjoy my coffee in the morning, even if it's five minutes of me sitting 
and being mindful outside. Like I just try and spend that time with myself before I get into sessions. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's what I try and do normally throughout the week is like just have that time with myself, not on my phone. And I say to clients, like, you know, try and step away from things when you can. Um, try and like stretch before you go to bed. Um, and at times, like be grateful for what you have in this mm-hmm. pandemic. We've seen what has happened, right? Um, so practicing gratitude too, that like, you know, they're appreciative of themselves and they're happy that they are healthy mm-hmm. because it's like it's a great thing to have right now is your health throughout all of us. Yeah. Yeah. Definitely. Do you do you find that because COVID is, is here, uh, do you find kind of more transformation within your clients because of such a like you know, as I'm sure you've seen the larger sometimes the larger the trauma, the more the the um transformation and before covid it's like people could have been stuck in this kind of foggy person personality habit habitual mental state but now there's a tangible reason to be upset <laughs> and i think sometimes i've seen people have that as act as a catalyst to be to change to transform so i'm curious if you're seeing a little bit more of a faster rate of transformation because of COVID or if you're kind of still seeing people stuck in their habits? So um, it's interesting you, you ask that because yesterday I had this conversation with a colleague and some of our more um, chronic clients are thriving. Mm-hmm. They're like, oh, this is everything I've ever wanted to be anxious about. It all makes sense now, right? The world is like crazy and stressful and all these things. And they're like, this is great. I can stay home. I'm feeling good. I don't have to leave my house. And then I think the high functioning clients that were working and all of a sudden maybe got laid off or had to come back home and be with their kids, mm-hmm. um, financial difficulties are the ones that are really triggered by all of this because their whole lives, I think, were just changed um, dramatically really quickly. Mm-hmm. So I'm seeing the influx of that. Like, And one of my colleagues was saying, thing, like you're high functioning professional, maybe in their 30s, 40s, right? struggling and really needing like significant medications and therapy because they just everything has changed and they're not used to this great change Mm -hmm. um and they're finally coming out about what they've been struggling with for years um and this just was i feel like the the icing on the cake at this point was just you know maybe they got laid off or they had to work from home and that really um put them into some sort of isolation and stress yeah definitely i i even see almost similar uh ironically i don't know the right word but you know there's supposedly going to be a second wave of of covid i i see uh, almost like the second wave of covid can be relatable to a second wave of of mental pandemic due to to ever to when we return to work because i know for me personally i'm in the category of feeling much better working at home and I feel stressed out at thinking and of the future of having to go back, you know, going back to work and going back to the way things were actually induces more uh, stress and anxiety for me personally. Mm-hmm. Um, so I wonder if we're going to see that another spike of, of like people who thus become stressed out again and, and have a lot more anxiety because now they've they've entered this period of of kind of chaos, but in it's like almost enlightening, and now they have to go back. 
which yeah, could be. Yeah, I think because now they've become like used to this lifestyle now, and then yeah. going back into the world and the fear of maybe getting sick or what's going to happen is going to really trigger more. Um, mm-hmm. And I, I could see that even in general. Like they tell you, go back to work very quickly, and you're like, wait, we're home for like six months now. We have to go back. <laughs> yeah. Um, I stayed the whole time, so for me. It was more stress for me to be home. Like they gave me the option to work from home, and I said no. Like I need to continue my routine, mm-hmm. and that's like see the difference in people. I could not work from home. I would have been like, oh, can I go outside and hang out? Like mm-hmm. for me, it was like I need to stay in this routine. That was my like self care because I knew I would have been like a little bit less motivated. Where other people thrived at home. They were like, yeah. I can work from home all the time. And now we're seeing them return to work and they're fearful because they're wearing masks. We have all these precautions in place anywhere. And it's scary. When you go outside, you're kind of like, what, what's happening? You know, mm-hmm. how do you explain this to people or to like little kids? Yeah. Um, so I think there's definitely going to be a second wave of either, I'm not a doctor, COVID or definitely mental health. We're going to see that kind of spike. And I think also um, substance abuse for sure because... I think people have just been self-medicating while they've been mm-hmm. home or anticipating um, going back to work. Yeah. Yeah. I've seen that a lot also, just the substance mm-hmm. use in clients on the rise and um, whether that's, you know, trying to distract or check out or, mm-hmm. you know, um, most of them tell me it's just social and like they'll be fine once they go back to work and start their new, you know, their life back. But mm-hmm. um Definitely, I think there's going to be, you know, a huge wave of trauma and substance use once we start seeing the decline in COVID and people start going back to normal, I guess, mm-hmm. or a new normal, yeah. whatever that looks like. Exactly, whatever it looks like. And, and it's interesting because I was like saying, all right, liquor stores were essential during all of this. So people weren't understanding this. They didn't know what to do. So mm-hmm. they were like, all right, it's five o'clock. Let's have a drink. It was really like 11. So, yeah. you know, all these patterns because they're working from home has now stressed them out. And I've seen that happen because they're like, you know, I'm drinking more than I normally would. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, well, you've been bored. You've been lonely. You're not comfortable with yourself. Like maybe we need to start looking there. inside yourself yeah. a little bit to see how you can become, you know, better with yourself and more complacent with where you're at. But mm-hmm. liquor stores are always busy. Yeah, like they're saying they're really, really they're busy and they're um, filled up with people just buying crazy amounts of alcohol mm-hmm. just to have something to do. Yeah, they even around here because we're in Pennsylvania, they put like you can only buy a certain amount of like liquor at a time. Mm-hmm. And I've seen like I was in the food store and I just passed like the wine section and I I witnessed like a fight because of this and and people becoming very irritable and angry and Mm -hmm. for example even with the masking you know I witnessed where you know someone well last night I went to get my hair done for the first time and Mm -hmm. um a woman there didn't want to wear her mask throughout the the her hair session and Mm -hmm. it became an issue and I've been seeing that too the anger and the irritability of people um, is palpable. And I, I understand a lot of it is because of, you know, the underlining trauma as a collective, everyone is going through the financial stress, the burden of being home. And like for parents, even, you know, working full time to then having to be home constantly with their children and be the, their teachers for school. You know, I think there's also going to be a rise in that. And I think self-care can 
assist, but at the same time, finding a new way of self-care. Because like Mm -hmm. you said, like you might not be able to go out to dinner with your husband or a friend, you know, you might be stuck inside. So what else can we do um, Mm -hmm. to kind of bring down those symptoms? Um, Yeah. And like you said, like the gyms may not be open, right? Exactly. You're restaurants, but gyms, meditation places, mm-hmm. uh, things that people enjoy. So practicing it from home, mm-hmm. and you know, I think like setting small goals for themselves. Even if you walk ten minutes outside, that's like mm-hmm. an A plus in my mind. Yeah. Um, stop comparing. I always say in self care work, stop comparing yourself to everybody on mm-hmm. social media or anybody that's doing you know these crazy fitness challenges. Yeah. Like just work on yourself at that point because you're not gonna really you know get yourself more motivated by that all the time and there's a lot of virtual I think volunteering you can do like I know there's support lines that are kind of taking any individuals to help answer mm-hmm. calls um that could help you you know feel better about yourself and improve your self-care um and sleeping like regularly because what happens is people have at home they can wake up late they can stay you know up later all of that has been impacting them mm-hmm. um and they just gotten into this like pajama mode as I call it because why do you have to get dressed? Yeah. You know, like, you don't really have to. So mm-hmm. people are like, oh, I just feel relaxed all day and then anxious to go outside. I'm like, okay, well, let's just get you dressed today. And let's, like, do yeah. your hair and makeup and maybe you'll feel better. Yeah. So uh, for those who are confused about the terms self-work, you know, work on yourself and self-help, uh, can you try and break down and structure steps for maybe efficient or a best practice of self-help like some type of self-care sorry well i mean (laughs) self-help self-care same thing same thing Uh, yeah so yeah in your opinion what what would be like a step you know a five step program for efficient self-care yeah, I think I would, like, break it down depending on what their, how many complaints they have as to how life is going. So, like, how great is the self-help and then what type of self-care do they want to kind of implement into their life? Um, so, basically, if they're, like, you know, life has really been completely stressful for them and they haven't done one thing to help themselves and they don't practice any self-care, um, building, like you said, maybe five or, like, two things to start off with each week to say, like, how could you help yourself a little bit more? And what would that practice look like to you? You know, would it be reaching out to your friends, you know, and talking to them or attending some sort of Zoom, you know, meeting for you um, or trying to practice some sort of mindfulness as well um, throughout their week? Like, I get happy if people just, you know, do little tasks Mm -hmm. that we ask them to do. I'm, like, so happy because it's a great thing if they're like, hey, I just practiced mindfulness once this week. I'm like, that's awesome. You spent five minutes with yourself. Yeah. Um, but I try and change it often uh, when I'm kind of seeing clients. Like, I, I don't like to throw that much in, but if they were doing, like, a lot of walking for the last two weeks and that was their self-care tip and they wanted to practice it, then I'll, like, maybe incorporate something else to it. I'll say, okay, what's the next thing? And they're like, you know, I've always felt like I wanted to go back to school and that's part of my self-worth. I feel kind of worthless about not having a degree. I'm like, all right, maybe we can look into this week um, some programs that would work for you and where you would fit in. Um, and kind of preserving that for them that they can, you know, do a little bit better. And they, they have to also improve their confidence, you know, mm-hmm. overall throughout this process. Yeah. So... Did I answer your question or no? <laughs> <laughs> kind of. Yeah, I'm just, I'm just looking... I'm trying to help 
uh, structure it for people who are a little bit more um, inclined to follow like a step-by-step -step kind of process. So it sounded, if I could dissect what you basically said is number one step would be figure out what your most, your, your biggest pain points are or what you're complaining about the most. You know, what do you want to, what are the problems you really want to focus on currently right now? Um, so that would be like step one is to identify the actual issues at hand. Um, and then two is explore potential solutions with with you to um or a therapist to figure out what nat like what um kind of a what's the word i'm looking for negates those or, or solves or or relieves that pressure that that pain um which is obviously some some potential solutions experiment would maybe be part three is is then you would actually try and do those uh different uh, solutions and see how they work, measure it. Maybe four is, you know, analyze and measure the effectiveness of those solutions and mm -hmm. and then I guess rinse and repeat. <laughs> yeah, exactly. And you can also change, right? I think that's a big thing too. Like in treatment planning for us as clinicians, we can always change yeah. like our intervention. If that's not working, let's try something else. Um, and let's try and see if this may work better for the client or figure out why it's not working. Where mm -hmm. I think life coaching, you guys can put in a little bit more where we're always like thinking of a treatment planning approach right we're like oh okay let's change our objections and, and interventions and see if that helps mm -hmm. um but exactly breaking it down until small attainable goals and then hopefully they can get healthier overall yeah that's important yeah that's the end goal i think yeah well, cool the insurance companies would say good treatment plan then yes exactly <laughs> we all get reimbursed. of course yeah. <laughs> so what uh do you have any more questions mm -hmm. what what would be your final message to the world about, it could be about anything, but maybe in particular about COVID and self-care? Uh, um, to the world, I guess I would say more of like mental health stuff related, like, you know, not being afraid to ask for help. We're all struggling in some way, mm -hmm. whatever it is, you know, we're all trying to just do the best that we can, um, but not be afraid to talk to like a life coach or a therapist or some sort of support system overall because I think it's only gonna get harder as time goes on. Um, but you know, seeking help is like the best thing you can do. And instead of getting to a point where life is not manageable anymore and you're mm -hmm. drinking too much and all these other things are kind of happening and you end up in a bad situation, um, making sure that you have the support from people around you. I like that. Thank, thank you for doing the interview with us. Thanks guys. Yeah, thank you. It was nice meeting you. It was very nice to meet you as well. All right, we'll, uh, we'll keep in touch. Yeah, definitely. Yes. All right. All right, yeah. bye, guys. Bye. bye. Thanks.